Welcome to another Axe Church podcast. Glad you're with us today. My name is Hunter Croft. I am on staff here at Axe Church. Today I have with me both Kristen and David, and we are going to be talking about uh, this week's Axe Church sermon, which is part of our series, Dear Skeptics. If you haven't heard that sermon yet, you can listen to it. It is going to be the next uh, audio file in this uh, feed. So if you go on to the next one, uh, that's where you can hear the sermon that we're going to be discussing today. We'd love it if you check that out. There are also more sermons, so uh, just keep listening. So this last week, uh, you know, we're, we're in the Dear Skeptic series, and, you know, this series of podcasts is going to be connected to the to the messages that are coming out on Dear Skeptic. And this is our third series uh, of skeptics uh, messages. Um, and we actually dealt with something this week that we haven't dealt with even kind of, I don't even think we've dealt with it as part of another thing that we've done in this. And it's it's the issue of the hiddenness of God. And I think we named the the message, Is God Hiding? And, and the idea of the hiddenness of God is this notion that some people have that basically the argument goes, if God was existed, then he's, then he's loving. And if he's loving, then he would make sure that essentially everybody, that no one was able to deny that he existed. No reasonable person could deny that he existed. And there, then the next premise of the argument goes, there are people who are reasonable and who deny that he exists. Uh, you know, then basically, therefore, God is not loving, therefore, there is no God. Uh, and so, uh, you know, essentially what they're saying is, look, because there are people who who think of God as hidden or who don't think there's enough evidence for him or reasonable people who differ on whether he exists, he must not exist because if he really existed, he'd make sure that everyone obviously knew that he existed. So that's, we walk through that and we kind of walk through the philosophy and the theology of that in the message. I don't want to kind of rehash all of that. Rather, uh, the other aspect of, of the message was about the actual believer and the fact that believers also have sort of a hiddenness of God problem, which is to say that from time to time in the life of a believer, they may feel like God is not present in their lives or they're, they can't, they're not connecting with God or they're not sure what he's, what he's, how he's guiding them or they're, they're just not feeling his presence, right? We see this some in the Psalms. We see it in different places where people are kind of like, where are you, God? Why are you letting these things happen? You know, what's, what's the deal? Why, why don't you show yourself? Why don't you show yourself in power in this situation or in that situation? Um, and so it's a complicated issue. So I, I just want to kind of start on that side instead of on the philo- philosophical side. And I'll start with Chris and kind of say, have you experienced this in your walk with Christ where there's there's times where you just feel like uh, he's not hearing you or you're not hearing from him or you just don't feel his presence in the normal way that you do? I mean, is that something you've experienced? Oh, definitely. And it's a very common thing that I hear in other believers as well. Um and I think, like, like you said, even David, the psalmist, the, yeah, the psalmist, yeah, <laughs> he experienced it too. And, um, you know, it can be hard to like keep pursuing a relationship with Christ when, especially in this culture that we have like everything on demand and we get everything pretty instantly, it can be really hard to um, keep up your faith and keep up your relationship with Christ when you feel like you're not getting an answer immediately, you know? Um, but that's just why they talk about a lot in the Bible, waiting on the Lord and waiting patiently on the Lord and his will and his plan. Um, but yeah, I've personally experienced that. Um, I think that that's what kind of caused me to walk away from Christianity when I was in high school, kind of all together was just like, I'm not hearing anything. Like, I don't feel like it's real. I don't see any signs in my life that it's real. And so it must not be. Um, I was a a lot younger in my faith too, and took a lot for granted, I think. Um, And so that's just my personal experience with that. And what do you think the benefit has been, if there's been a benefit, what do you think is, have you, have you started to understand maybe why God might allow you to walk through some of that? Have you started to like pick up on, okay, when I'm in that situation and I'm, and I trust him that there's some benefit to those times? Have you, what's your experience? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, God can do a lot in those times of waiting and being quiet. Uh, my mom always has these wide words of like, God always has these answers and whether they're like, you know, um, you hear them or not, it's God's usually answers are yes, no, and wait. Um, and usually um, the silence can be an indication of like a, we- a waiting period. Um, and 
when I don't like that answer. And sometimes I think a lot of people do this too. They go off and do their own thing and do what they want to do and do what they think is right. And so you kind of have to learn this hard lesson of, okay, I wasn't waiting patiently on the Lord. I went and did things on my will and my, like what I want to do. And then you learn a lot of hard lessons and have to, um, I don't know, in my experience, go through a lot of repentance to God when I could have just waited and not gone and screwed up and did a lot of things wrong and made a lot of stupid mistakes. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Uh, been there. Hunter, let me let me kind of toss it over to you. Your you know, you've been in the church your whole life. You know, have you had times where there's more and less of your, uh, let's talk about in terms of like personal experience. So there's different things for different people where they experience God the most, or where they experience his presence the most. Sometimes it's, you know, when I'm at my lowest, that's when God's the closest. Some, some of it's actually when I'm the happiest, that's when God's the closest or when I'm in the forest or when I'm deep in prayer, or when I'm reading scripture or when I'm, or when I'm worshiping, you know, talk to me about the times where you feel God the most. And then sometimes where maybe you haven't felt him as closely and how that's affected you. Yeah, I'd say um, when God feels closest to me, a lot of times, um, yes, is it, it usually has to do with um, the when I sometimes I think I deal with stress pretty well, um, and so I don't necessarily break down. I think I deal with stress pretty well. Maybe not. <laughs> I'm obviously not making you work hard <laughs> enough. Here it comes. Um, I. I think a lot of times what I do is I just, I get so busy um, and a lot of times I'll be so busy, so busy, so busy. Um, and so uh, my my mind is away from God um, and pretty soon all of a sudden I, if that stress become starts to wear down on me um, emotionally and mentally and spiritually, I then go, well, where's Where's, why isn't God comforting me in, me in this time? Or I just, or I just don't necessarily, I don't know if I necessarily think that, but I just think I'm just not feeling close to the Lord right now. And, um, I don't understand why. And, and then maybe doubts might arise in that moment. Um, and when I usually feel like I'm closest to the Lord is when I have set aside time to, uh, enjoy his presence to enjoy, um, like you said, the forest, you know, I'd spent a lot of time in cross country in high school. And I just, I remember going out on runs on a Saturday morning where I was, we had great trails in Spokane. Um, and I'd just be out and just enjoying, uh, nature. And in those moments, like I was able to worship and I was able to reflect on, um, the things God was doing in my life and I could reflect on the things God was doing in nature and reflect on um, my relationship with him. Um, so a lot of times it has to do with how busy I allow myself to get and not necessarily, not that I can't be busy, but that I can't, um, if I'm so busy that I, and it's not, if, if I don't put a place in my life where I stop and reflect and um, worship, I guess. Um, and, you know, in high school, I don't think I ever really missed church more than two weeks in a row. Um, I was I was always in church. So it wasn't like I wasn't in a worship service, uh, air quotes. Um, that, But I wasn't, you know, maybe as I'm going to those things and I'm not actually, I, my mind is on uh, school assignments or... Uh, friend situations or, or whatever it is, I'm not actually reflecting on the Lord in those times. Um, and so I think those are a lot of times where I, I'll, I'll go on and I'll go on and it'll probably, it might be months or it might be weeks where I'm just kind of going on, just pushing on, pushing on nothing really seems wrong. And then all of a sudden I look around and go, where's God? I, I feel like I, I don't hear from him right now. And I, and I just realized that I'm going through a hard time. Um, and usually it's, it's not that God's not there. It's that I just am not looking. Hmm. 
my experience of running is a little different than yours. Um, <laughs> it's rarely a, a moment where I'm in blissful worship, and I'm usually very close to God because I'm like, "Don't die, die, don't die, don't die, don't die." How much longer, Lord? Yeah, I'm thinking exactly. How long, O oh Lord, will you let me suffer? And why can't I breathe right now? And why does everything hurt? And why am I doing this? There's not even anybody chasing me. And I have a car. And, you know, there's all kinds of things that go through my head. Very few of them are like, I'm so happy. The Lord is so close to me. Um, yeah, running is not. But but that's cool that that does that for you. I, there's a Babylon Bee. Uh, you guys, I'm sure, are familiar with Babylon Bee. It's like a satire site. Although the funniest thing to me with Babylon Bee is if you read their articles and they're they're you know usually about Christian subjects and making fun of some aspect of culture or Christianity or whatever. And then there will always be like in the comment section, some group of people who don't realize it's a satire site and they're yeah. like all upset about it. So <laughs> it's oh, hilarious. Fake. Yeah. They're, they're fake news. It's like, yes, that's what that's... it is. It's a satire site. <laughs> but anyway, if you've done that, no problem. It's a satire site, just so you know. Uh, but there was one, one time that said something like, you know, local man uh, upset with God for not, for not speaking to him while he's sitting Two feet from Bible, right? Like, oh, right. So right? Like, you're upset that God's not there, but you're pressing into Him zero. Like, you're not doing devotions, you're not reading the Scripture, you're not praying, mm-hmm. you're not seeking Him, you're not taking time aside, but you're upset that God doesn't feel close to you. And it's like it, He's kind of like, I'm right here. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the one who who refuses to press into relationship mm-hmm. and wondering why I'm not there. So mm-hmm. sometimes that's what it is, right? It's mm-hmm. it's we're upset that God isn't feeling close. But we're the ones who aren't pressing into relationship. Right. But there are sometimes when we are pressing into relationship and you're not feeling it. Right. There are those days in church where you're worshiping and you're used to having this sense of the presence of the Lord and, and there's something beautiful about the presence of the Lord that you feel in 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 worship. And I'm speaking specifically of singing worship. There's many ways to worship, but and worship and song. And then maybe there's that week where it's, you're just not feeling his presence. And those are the places where you have to, where you have to do something different. And I'm going to talk about how that works for me, but um, you know, what, what you're saying, both of you, you know, makes sense. And I think that there are probably very few believers who have not gone through a period of either hours, days, weeks, months, where they just are not connecting. Does the connection does not feel strong uh, between them and the Lord. And I think sometimes God probably allows that to happen, to grow our faith, to grow our trust um, in the things that are unseen, right? Uh, and and we have a responsibility to do that. I don't, I don't uh, think that it's reasonable to stop, say, believing in God or to stop, you know, um, worshiping God just because you're not having some sort of you know, feeling that's associated with your closeness to God. I think that that it's normative, normal for us to be able to press into God and feel his presence. Um, certainly that is what the normal experience of the Christian life is like. But there are people who go through uh, what some people would call the dark night of the soul. Um, and that's, I think that's been used for more than one kind of thing, but I definitely think it's used for this. Like, I am just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it, right? Um, and I would say, you know, that is a space where one of the reasons why we work on, on the mind and on, and on thinking well and on understanding uh, the truth about the existence of God, about who he is, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, about his promises, about all those kinds of things, is for those times. For those times where you don't feel him, that's when you say, okay, but I know what's true. Kind of like if you're in a relationship, let's say you're married or let's say you've got a friend or let's say whatever, and you start to question that relationship, whatever the thing is, you know, something's come up, you've been hurt, whatever, and you have to tell yourself, you can either let your emotions drive you and and destroy the relationship over that or end the relationship, or you can tell yourself the truth and say, well, my husband or my wife or my friend or my whatever, um, I know, the truth is I know that most of their behavior over the course of the relationship has been loving, that they really do love me, that they probably didn't intend uh, for this to hurt me in this way or to this extent or whatever, kind of this benefit of the doubt, you know, that you give. And I'm probably not going to throw away everything. I'm going to, instead of thinking with my emotions, I'm going to think with my mind about this or whatever it is. We talked in the, in the message about flying in the plane and like being afraid of flying, even though it's like the safest possible way to travel <laughs> by far, like by, uh, you know, a thousand times safer than driving in a car or whatever it is. And yet, it does not feel as safe as I feel when I get in my car and drive somewhere. I feel I don't worry when I get in my car that I'm going to crash 
When I get in the plane, yes, I'm 30,000 feet in the air. And I know that if I crash, first of all, in a car, there's a lot of ways I can crash and still be okay. Right. In a plane, it does not feel like that's the case, right? If this yeah, thing yeah. hits the ground at this point, there's not a lot that's going to go well. And so, but nevertheless, it's so much less likely to hit the ground than I am to die in a car crash. But you got to tell yourself that. And you got to you got to live in the truth of it, even when our anxiety or our or our, uh, our depression or the different things that come up in life where we have these feelings are driving us in a different direction. So how important has it been for you? I'll start with you again, Kristen, to to live in the reality and have to, having to tell yourself the truth, even when you're not feeling it. I would say it's it's hard to live in that reality and know that truth unless um my spiritual disciplines are like matching that. I don't know if that makes sense, but like when I was in high school, I, I did that thing. I stopped, I, you know, I stopped having a relationship with the Lord because I wasn't feeling it, you know? And it wasn't until I really started growing my spiritual disciplines, my prayer, um, being in like the word and doing, you know, devotionals and Bible study and going to church regularly that, um, that truth really became truth to me and really started to sink in, you know, because, just going to church and just praying, like, just didn't solidify that truth for me. Um, you know, it's like you said earlier, um, the Bible sitting like right next to you that whole time. Um, and so, and so for me, I really just have to be in the word. I have to do better about knowing my Bible and knowing what God says and what the Bible says and seeing that is true, um, as opposed to just relying on like prayer and going to church on Sunday to make that the truth, you know? So there's a lot of like personal work that I have to do. I um, mean, it's just like any relationship, like you said, with your friendship or your spouse or whatever, it's not a one-sided relationship. Like both people are putting in effort, you know, and so we can't just expect God to show up, you know, like Santa Claus when we have a wish list of things that we want. Um, we have to put in the work and seeking and finding um, and do our part. And so for me... Let me be clear. Does Santa Claus show up when you have a... Sometimes. Oh, okay. I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> I think, I think it might be your mom. But. Oh, just maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's just like, because I think a lot of Americans, you know, like, oh, God, like, I want this. I want this. I want this. And just, like, approach it as a whole, like, Santa Claus deal. And that's just not, that's not what Christianity is about. That's not what having a relationship with Christ is about. For and, anyone, right? Or, right. Yeah. You but just can't That's do just that. not what a relationship is about right. in that's general. Right. not what relationships are. Yeah. That's not, that's not what they're for. Um I think I lost track of the question while I was explaining, but I think. Well, let I me ask you it. this: to, to <laughs> let me ask you this to to take it a step uh, in a different direction. Do you feel like so? You know, Axe Church, we're we're pretty focused on teaching the word. We're also pretty focused on teaching the reasons for why we believe things. Do you feel like having been built up through now? This is your third time going going doing like a skeptic series and so on. Do you feel like and and we had contemplating. We had those kind. Of, do you feel like being, being built up with the you know, physics and the chemistry and the biology and the, and the other science and the philosophy and understanding the, the truth of these things outside of just scripture. And then adding to that scripture as well, has that helped you in those moments of when you do go through those times of, of being able to tell yourself, no, I know what's true. Yeah. Without a doubt. Definitely. Um, definitely. Because, you know, like I said, I have being taught like the truth of the Bible for years, but it was never really truth until I started taking the steps to understand it. So I started, you know, um, going to church and you explaining these things and the philosophy and like the logic behind these truths, it definitely really helped. And it's also made it really helpful when I've had friends approach me. Um, no joke, actually had a friend approach me a couple days ago about this same exact subject. She was just like, I, you know, I'm praying and I don't feel like he's there. And I was kind of able to walk through the philosophy along with like, it's not just about prayer, you know, it's about other things. And, you know, God is, um, he makes his way known and present to us, even when we don't feel it, like look out into nature, look at the, the law and the order of just science, the way things are. And so not only has it helped me solidify those truths as truths, but it helps me explain the nature of God to other people. So Hunter, let's, let's bring this one over to you. Um, in those moments where you're not feeling this close and maybe just reading your Bible more or whatever's in solving those things, do you look to, uh, you know, some of the, some of the reasons for why we believe to help you walk through that and like solidify, like, I know it's true. I, I don't need to, I may not be feeling it, but I know that it's true. And so 
you know, the feeling will come, the feeling will go perhaps, but I'm, I'm solid in my trust for the Lord because of what I understand about the truth of the universe and, and who God is. Yeah. Sort of. When, when I go through these times of feeling distant, I don't necessarily know. I don't necessarily know that those are the times that I am most likely to question, um, God's love for me or his, um, existence or anything like that. Um, and those times it's, uh, more of me questioning. I don't know if it's me questioning anything. It's just, I'm just in a dark time, you know, um, emotionally. And I doesn't, I don't know, to me, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with my faith in God. It has more to do with how I respond to the darkness that I'm feeling. And, uh, when I'm feeling that darkness, I, the, the truths that I cling to are more, um, that I, I go, what I'm doing is I'm getting myself bigger. I'm, I'm looking at a world that is bigger than myself. And I see that, uh, the same God that I felt so connected to on, um, the best, the best time of my life when I was worshiping him and I was, uh, everything was going right is the same God who, um, is still ruling while I feel like I'm in the darkest place. And so, um, while I really appreciate these skeptics series and I really enjoy them, um, they don't necessarily come in handy as much when I'm in an emotionally dark place as much as they come in when I just, I'm, in fact, this is something that I almost always am, am continuing a conversation, a, a, a type of skept. I'm, I've always been a empathetic person. So I am almost always in my head debating two sides of things because I want to understand, uh, the opponent's side of things. I think that's just something that's, that's in me. And so, um, so often I am considering things from a, from a skeptic's point of view. I'm so often, um, playing devil's advocate against myself. You know, um, I'm, I'm saying, well, well, does this actually make sense? Does this actually make sense? And those are the times where, um, this, this type of series is just uh, a great exercise in, in understanding the Lord better and understanding um, the nature that he's created better um, and the philosophies behind why um, it makes much more sense to believe in, in God than it does to uh, allow skepticism in my heart to run rampant and uh, deceive me. Mm-hmm is when I think that really, uh, when these, when these types of discussions really affect me personally, that's when that happens. So obviously there's a lot more to, you know, what we're interested in as believers and Christ followers than the fact that God exists, right? Like that's, and that's one of the things I brought up in the message is like, God's not primarily interested in whether you believe he exists, right? Mm -hmm. Just like you're not primarily interested in whether I believe you exist. You're pretty sure you do, right? Hopefully you're pretty sure you exist. There's a, there's a, yeah, right. Therefore, therefore you are right. Uh, there's a, there's a philosophy out there, um, that essentially, um, it's called solipsism. And solipsism essentially is a philosophy that says, I'm the only person that exists and everyone else and everything else is like, I'm a mind floating in space and everything mm-hmm. else and everyone else is, is a figment of my imagination, right? Weirdly enough, I think I thought about this as a small child. Yeah. I, well, I think everybody at some point is it, like, thinks about that, like as a possibility, like what if everything is just, it's an incredibly selfish right? <laughs> philosophy, yeah. but there are actually people who believe this, right? Like everything that's going on is something that's being created. I'm just a mind that in space. That explains so many people. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, right. I'm just a mind in space. I've created all of this. I should never have imagined Out that. of my mind and somehow I'm fooling myself to believe that I'm experiencing it. There's a, there's a, uh, an old joke, uh, that this, philosophy professor goes to visit this other guy who's a philosophy professor at a different school who's a solipsist. So he's like, really, he's fascinated that this guy's an actual solipsist. He actually believes that he's the only one. So he goes in, he talks to the guy and whatever, comes out and he's talking to the other people in the office and says, 
so what do you think about, you know, this guy and, you know, he's a solipsist, you know, he thinks, you know, you're all figments of imagination. Well, what do you think? They're like, oh, well, we, we love him and, and we take really good care of him, right? Because if he goes, we all go, right? Um, <laughs> so, uh, but <laughs> I'm going to forget where I was going with this whole thing. Um, <laughs> anyway, some people are like, that's such a dumb joke. But uh, I told that joke one time I was doing a, a uh, kind of like a skeptics thing. It was for teenagers. It was called uh, thinking something. I don't remember what it was. Uh, anyway, it was a conference type thing for these youth. And, and I told that joke and like almost none of them got it. They just blank stares. They're just like looking at me like, I, what do you do? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. What do you do at that point? Yeah. And so I, you know, you, it happens from time to time where you just tell a joke and it just, at least once on a Sunday, it just, yeah, just about every Sunday I'll say something expecting a laugh and I might get a giggle from Dave Vanderplug or something and I get nothing else. Um, or the time we had that one or you where, that was not a joke and where, where I did tell a joke at all and Dave starts laughing hilariously and everybody's like was that funny because I missed it um, anyway that that happens um, bottom line uh, you know the existence of God the fact that he exists by itself as a fact is not primarily God's interest God's interest is in saving us God's interest is in relationship with us it's not just an understanding that exists but for some people especially now with atheism sort of on the rise or I don't know that atheism is really on the rise but it's more prominent. Everything's on the rise because of social media. Everything sure. has a more prominent voice because of social media. Like we, like we are more aware of it. We're Correct. more aware of it. Right. So, you know, we, there are people who really struggle with does God exist? And of course, getting to the point of God loves you and wants to save you has to come through the door of that God is actually real and exists. So we talk about that some, but, but our real focus is not that he exists. That's an obvious thing. Our real focus is about being saved and our real focus is about you know relationship with god and and understanding what this whole story is about right why why we're here what's going on what the meaning of life is you know how everything rises and falls on jesus christ that's our thing but i'm assuming that you guys as as you're both 23 is that i'm 24 oh hunter's 24 um that's fantastic. One more year and you can run for Congress. Um, so That's a scary congratulations thought. for that. <laughs> Why is that a scary thought? Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. Well, Hunter in Congress is a scary thought. Yeah, I, I think. Have no desire That's, to be on. <clears throat> yeah, I don't blame you. Um, so. I'm too good of a person. Yeah, you're. I, oh. <laughs> okay. There, there have been a lot of brags. He's like, I never missed more than two weeks of church and I'm on cross country. Uh, that's not I'm a like, brag. That was you know, just. I never wonder about parents. God's existence. And, you know, all right, a, Hunter, that's, that's great. You're just better than the rest of us. That's okay. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. Um, so, my, what I'm going to ask you is okay, so well, that's not our primary interest. We really just want to see people saved, baptized, and discipled and growing in Christ, not because of what it does for us, but because, of, because we love them and because we want to see what happens for them. So, you guys have probably run into more, like if someone's listening to this, to this podcast and they're in their, say, 70s or their 60s, they're less likely to have had as many interactions with atheists or people who are agnostic, which is to say they don't believe one way or the other, or nuns, N O N E S, people who are just, I'm not a I'm just not affiliated with religion. I just don't care. You guys have probably had more of that. And so let me ask you, you know, in these conversations that you have with folks, you know, what is, let me ask you two things. Uh, Have you found it helpful as a believer to dig more into the reasons for what we believe in those conversations? Um, And have you, what what have you found as generally what I'm just going to call the interest level of people? And, And let me, let me clarify what I mean. When you're talking to somebody and they're kind of like, nah, I don't believe in it all and whatever, do you find that when you go in with facts, science, that kind of thing, that their reaction is, oh, I want to interact with that? Or do you find that it's more that they want to find excuses to either take the conversation somewhere else or to, you know, kind of like, but I don't really care? What, in other words, is atheism for most of the people you're around or agnosticism really a, a theory that they hold to or just a way for them to avoid having to think about it at all. I'll start with you, Kristen. I think for me, a lot of people that I interact with, it's very much just like avoidance Um, because I can come at them with um, logical arguments, with facts and with science. But the problem with that is a lot of people that I'm talking to don't know a lot about logical arguments, facts and science. Um, And so it just becomes like this nonsense, you know, thing because, and they just get frustrated um, because and what, what are their responses? Is it, is it kind of like, 
So one of the things I've seen is, but gay marriage or but whatever. So whatever the social issue of the day is, but aren't Christians against these things that we now think as a culture are good, even though they could not tell you at all why whatever that thing is. Gay marriage is just one of those things. It's kind of big on the, you know, on the cultural scene in the last 10 years, but, or abortion or whatever these big social issues are, they wouldn't necessarily be able to even elucidate an argument that was really good for those things. They just know that that's now what culture says is good. And so, and Christianity in their mind is so against sex or so against whatever that, that, you know, the sexual ethic of Christians, hey, one person for my whole life, but everyone else in culture is telling me sleep with as many people as possible. That's where, that's where joy and happiness is. Is that more like what they're pushing against is like, there's a whole lifestyle change involved with this. And and I don't want to face that. I think that's what it is. I think it's, I think it's a lifestyle thing. And I think as Hunter Croft was saying earlier, like everything in social media is just more like prevalent now and so there's there's a lot of people asking these questions and not a lot of people giving them answers so I feel like they have more objections um, instead of more like facts does that make sense so like but are they listening to answers no and they're not listening to answers because there's always more objections because there's always a bunch of just garbage on the social media you know (laughs) and so it's like you they have objections but they're not even willing to listen to the answers because we've gotten so used to like drowning everything out with just someone being louder than another person and therefore that makes their argument correct or that makes them what they believe more right than something else you know and so that's what I found is like I was so excited after my first skeptic series to like start talking to people that I was going to school with who had objections and I was coming at them with all of these like logical arguments and if anything it made it way worse for me to explain and communicate the gospel to them because it would just end up in really heated conversations and discussions and I it took me a little while to realize like people aren't willing to listen to this because they don't want to hear it. It's it's a heart thing. It's not because what I'm saying is wrong. It's because they they don't want to change their lifestyle. You know, they don't their their heart's not prepared or ready to listen. It's falling on deaf ears, you know? And so that's something that I had to really like work through with God after my after going through the first skeptics thing because I was so excited. I felt like I had all of these answers, all of this ammunition to come back with um, you know, any um objections that I got. Um, but then to really realize that like, no, it's God who's changes hearts and it's God's timing. And I can say these arguments. Um, but I'm not at the end of the day, I'm not responsible for if they're hearing me or not, you know, like I just have to keep praying for them and keep showing them what love is. And actually at the end of the day, um, it's a, that's like, that's going to be God's decision if he saves them, you know, not my thing. Um, and so while I've loved, loved, loved going through the skeptics um, series for myself and being able to um, solidify more biblical truths, it's hard for me to use those tactics with a person who's completely an atheist or completely agnostic. Um, and those alone get them in the door to church. Um, in my experience, it's been more of um, you know, God working on their heart and me just showing them love and compassion um, and doing, you know, being a good neighbor and doing those things that the Bible says. Um, so that's just, that's my experience. It's been helpful yeah. for my faith, but I wouldn't like go straight into a conversation with a person that's an atheist and be like, well, your logical argument's flawed because blah, 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 blah. Like that's more of a turnoff I've noticed in my experience than like actually showing them love and understanding and stuff. Like so that, you so. have one friend that and I won't. I don't know if she'd want me to say her name on on the podcast, so I won't. But um, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, who did come to the Lord? Got baptized. Mm-hmm. Is, is walking with the Lord. Is is connected to X Church and great great lady. We love her. Um, and and do you feel like ultimately it was helpful in talking to her um, because she came from basically atheism, or do you feel like really? the thing that was effective was the Christian love that you showed her. It was helpful, but I think what was most effective was the Christian love. Um, I think the Christian love came first and the philosophical and the logical or logical arguments were helpful in maybe pointing out some flaws that she had in her thinking. But if I had not loved her and showed her Christian love and had a relationship with her first, then none of that stuff would have been effective at all. Um, right. So I really do think it was, it was the Christian love, um, and showing her like what showing just what the gospel is all about and then kind of as backup ammunition to help further my point was those philosophical and logical logical arguments that i that i used so those logical arguments. logical so blah, some blah, people blah. say i'm a little too logical <laughs> um, 
So, Contra, I'm going to let you answer the same question, and I want to make some comments on that, but go ahead and, and hit me up. Yeah, I think I've encountered a little bit of both um, both people who, you know, they just want to have a good, uh, good debate about uh, philosophy, um, and I have a lot of respect for people who who want to do that. And I've had lots of, I've had conversations where like, if there were such a thing as logic to this person, they were completely ignoring it because we we had basically worked through a discussion, a debate using logical statements and it came to a conclusion and they said, and none of that matters. It's not true. And uh, you know, you you run into both, and and what it is, is like Kristen was saying. They are not. Um, you can't come to. Um, you can't investigate these things logically, um, reasonably, um, without. If you are in a place where, just considering that, would. Um, essentially shatter your world, you know? Um, That's a great point. You have to, someone either, I'm not going to listen to you why this new thing you have is the best thing for my life, um, but is going to require me to uh, completely change my profession, change this and this and this, which, I mean, luckily you don't have to, usually change your profession if you want to become a Christian. But say you had this... It this, depends on your profession. It depends on your profession. But, um, you know, if you're a lawyer... Um, <laughs> yeah, right. If you're a lawyer, you better change that profession, right? Uh, just kidding. Um, but it, say, say you had some some product, some some lifestyle uh, teaching that was going to require me to change everything about my life, and, and you were convinced that it was the best thing for my life. But to me that would be the worst thing for my life. I have a lot of things that I like about my life right now. Um, so until either you show me through your life that this is something that I need or my life gets to a point where I am willing to throw it all out for, for a change for, for what you have. Um, it's really difficult for me to want to even engage in, in a reasonable discussion with you about it. Um, and so that's where I think, um, a lot of these, these, frustrating it's frustrating for both sides um type of conversations where they're just not uh we're we're not on the same page yeah it's it's not gonna work well it's not it's not ever going to be the existence of christ that compels only the love of christ compels Mm -hmm. and so if your if your mindset is simply hey here we go. Logical argument. God exists. There he is. He created the world and whatever. There's kind of a, so what that comes after that for a person? Like, unless, unless what they understand is not just that God exists, but the power of what Christ did on the cross and the power of the resurrection and what those things mean, because just that God exists is okay. Great. You know, that's kind of that sort of deist mindset. And there are lots of people who are in that camp. They're like, yeah, there's clearly a God, you know, the science seems clear. The philosophical evidence seems clear. There's really no question that this did not all come up. And we're sitting outside now. I'm looking at trees and I'm looking at nature and I'm looking at all this. This stuff did not just come by itself. It's not an accident. That's absurd. It's simply just from a from a probability standpoint, absurd to, to think that there's not a God. But if you're a deist, then you think that basically it's kind of the the whole uh, blind watchmaker or not blind watchmaker. That's that's more of the that's more of the uh, chance argument. But God is a watchmaker. He said it. He wound it up. That's what you used to have to do with watches, you know, not like the Apple watch that I'm wearing, <laughs> which you just charge or you used to wind them, right? So he wound it up and he let it go and he's done with it. Like this was a, like if you were to create a, a work of art, let's just say you guys knew how to paint well and you painted a... <laughs> You've seen my painting. Yeah, you know the answer I have that. seen your painting. Um, <laughs> I, if I had a picture of it, I might, then I'll link to that in the description. No, you guys can, no. don't, don't, don't. <laughs> so, but let's just say you could paint, okay? You painted a picture and then you're like, okay, I'm done with that picture. And you throw it in the attic and you forget about it. You're not say, you're not going to that picture each day and, and messing with it and doing whatever. That's how some people see God, even who believe that he exists. And that's not, that doesn't cause heart change. That doesn't cause the kind of change. What compels us towards change of lifestyle is that is relationship it's like it's Mm -hmm. like you you get a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife and you're like i love this person i want to be in relationship with them and that necessarily every relationship requires sacrifice 
there is no relationship without sacrifice. Your things that you would have otherwise done, mm-hmm. for instance, you if you have a spouse, I recommend that you spend some amount of time with them, <laughs> right? Like you should probably make available some time that you would have spent watching YouTube videos with the, what's that stuff called that you were talking about? AS, ASMR. ASMR, which is just weird to <laughs> weird. me. But, um, you know, instead of watching ASMR YouTube videos, which if you don't know what that is, it's like people who are like whispering, you know, into the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Or whatever. I don't get why people like it, but apparently it's like soothing to some people. It's a huge thing. Or also there's like the visual where they're like squeezing foam or whatever. But anyway, I don't know why we're talking about this. But the point is, <laughs> instead of spending your time doing that, you should spend some time with your spouse or your friend or your you know boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever, or your kids, right? Every relationship requires some level of sacrifice. And we don't sacrifice unwillingly. We sacrifice happily, joyfully out of love. No mm-hmm. one's going to start giving up every Sunday morning and not sleeping in or going hiking or kayaking or whatever people do, hunting. And nobody's going to give up you know, 10% of their income plus extra giving that they do for missions and to see people come to know the Lord and to, and to whatever. No one's going to do that. Unless it's compelling, unless it's love that's compelling them and drawing them. You're being drawn into this relationship. You're being drawn into the future with Christ. So I guess my point is, is that what you said is, is extremely important that people understand about like these, these messages that we do on skeptics and, and whatever. And if you're a skeptic who's listening, you know, one of the things I talked about, not this Sunday, but the, the Sunday prior. Um, and if you're listening to this years from now, you know, this is what, uh, September 28th. 2018, but I, what's the actual date? The, 24th? Uh, the 25th. 25th. It's okay. the 25th of September. I should know that that's actually Tiffany and my anniversary of getting together. Aww, uh, I guess, what is that, 19 years ago? Um, it's so cute. The Huskies beat Colorado that day, September 25th of 1999. Just so for you Colorado fans, we won that game. Um, I was there. And then Tiffany and I ended up um, kind of, we had met before, but we kind of ended up... Uh, you know, connecting that that evening, um, and so well, that sounded terrible. We ended up meeting uh, uh, each other and like, getting <laughs> to know each other that evening, um, and and you know have been together since. So, congratulations to us. And if you're listening to this five years from now, just add five years to however long we've been together, because Lord willing, we still will be. Um, but the the point is, is that. I don't even know what the point is now. Um, <laughs> I started thinking about my wife, and point? I'm so cute. Um, the the thing is, is that what you need to understand about these, these messages is that they are not primarily to be used as ammunition. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this is what I was going to say. Sorry. Two weeks ago, I talked about the honest skeptic and the dishonest skeptic. And by the way, that goes for believers too. any religious faith where there's the honest Christian, the dishonest Christian, the dishonest Christian doesn't listen to uh, the skeptics argument, doesn't give it a fair hearing and then address it. They just say, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it, and I don't have to listen to anything else. That's dishonest. That's intellectually dishonest. You should not be afraid of engaging with, truly engaging with the difficult things to think about. The dishonest skeptic is like is like the dishonest Christian or the dishonest Muslim or the dishonest Buddhist who is like, I've got my thing, that's it, I don't want to think about anything else, I'm not willing to engage with you. Um, and the honest one says, absolutely bring whatever you've got and I will honestly look at it. And, and for me... You know, I want to be an honest Christian. That is, bring the objections. I, I want to. I'm not afraid of any of them. I my faith in Christ is complete because not just because I believe it in some blind way. My faith in Christ is complete because I believe it is the most reasonable mm-hmm. belief system. Right. And so, when you're connecting two people, you should be listening to them. And your primary thing should be showing them the love of Christ. And your secondary thing should be answering their objections because one of their major objections or one of the major objections to Christianity is that Christians don't listen, is that they're hypocritical, Mm -hmm. is that they say one thing and they do another and so on. And so you're much better off. It's a much better witness. It goes a much longer way for you to say, I love you. I care about you. Can I pray for your needs? Can I provide for your needs? How can I serve you? How can I how can I show you the love of Christ in your life? That is way more effective than let me explain to you why the problem of evil doesn't re- isn't really a problem. It's philosophically. Mm-hmm. Let me explain to you why the hiddenness of God isn't a problem or or you know, let, here's the moral argument for the existence of God. Those things are powerful 
in, as as explanations that explanatory power but they don't by themselves generally have heart changing power what has heart changing power is to understand the love of christ mm-hmm. for the person and so just so that you know as we go through this that people aren't like well why are they spending so much time walking through these philosophical arguments and all the rest. I thought church was just, let's get the Bible out. And and that's true. Church is about scripture. But but prior to that, we have to have good reasons for believing that scripture is true and so on, which we do. Um, If you want to check out, I think it's uh, number four in the original Skeptics Forum series. You can find all these messages, by the way, on seekingskeptics.com, S-E-E-K-I-N-G-S-K-E-P-T-I-C-S.com. Um, seeking skeptics, just like it sounds, dot com. You'll find these most recent ones. You'll find last year's skeptics uh, series, which was called Seeking Skeptics, and the year before that, which was called Skeptics Forum. You can find all of this on there, um, and it's and it's stuff that I recommend that you interact with, but not as the primary way that you approach those who are struggling with belief in, in God. Primarily, approach people in relationship, approach people with love, and show them that the love of Christ has actually. In, in, you know, affected your life, has, has gotten yeah. in your heart, right? And so, you know, I don't think that the one works without the other. Um, then you get, then when they, when they trust you, when they understand who you are, then they're willing to listen to your explanations, which is mm-hmm. kind of what you suggested has happened with you in the past, Kristen. Um, what, what about you, Hunter? I mean, how many of the people, you know, you grew up primarily going to church and probably most of your friends were in youth group with you and so on. You've, we've talked before that some of them have kind of walked away at some level. Yeah. Do you stay in contact with them? Do they, are, are the reasons that they walked away more, again, going back to this, people aren't necessarily thinking about these things logically. They just want to live a certain lifestyle that is not consistent with Christianity and they don't want to be inconsistent people. So they just ditch Christianity and go live that lifestyle. Is that your experience or? And I'm not entirely sure because a lot of them um, are friends that I had already lost contact with for the most part. Um, I don't know if, if the reason was, um, you know, just, I think some of them, it was just, church was a good place for them in high school um, and hopefully that their faith was real but their the church was a good place for them in high school and now um, they have found their identity in other things and no longer um, think about it I, I I don't know for sure because I, I like I said I lost contact with a lot of them uh, towards the end of high school and and going to college all went different directions and um, I would I would like to have more conversations with some of them and find out where they're at. Um, I know one person I grew up with uh, who I have had good conversations with, um, his reasoning is much more, in fact, uh, intellectual, why he is um, more uh, skeptical now than he was uh, when he was in high school and in middle school. Um, however, I know that a lot of lifestyle things probably... Um, influenced those um, apparently intellectual uh, quorums with what's, what's, what's the word quorum with uh, quarrels quarrels with uh, with their faith um, a lot of times uh, what they were doing wouldn't have been compatible with their faith um, or perhaps uh, they didn't understand things about um, the faith and so they just were able to let it go and didn't, it was much more convenient not to try to understand those things than it was to um, investigate further. Yeah. It's amazing how easily we justify our lack of investigation based on the fact that it may uncover uh, the, the fact that we may need to change our lifestyle. I've, I've told the story about when I was younger and had a, had a lifestyle issue that I wanted to continue and thought, if I really think very much about this, I'll probably figure out that I shouldn't be doing it. And so my choice is to not think about it. And I I made a, just a straight up choice. I'm not going to have the intellectual in my own mind. Like I'm not going to think through it. I'm not going to try to come to to a conclusion because I probably will end up thinking that I shouldn't do it and I don't want to stop doing it. Um, And so, uh, you know, I can see it's, I, I just think it's very human of us to, uh, or it's a very human of us. It's, it's a, the fallen part of our human nature, but it's, it's something that we do where we sort of avoid pain 
pain being in this case, uh, having to change what we perceive as pain, right? There was a time when I couldn't imagine my life without certain parts of, of my lifestyle that I was living at the time. Like, what would I even do for fun if I wasn't doing these things, right? And, and now, of course, I don't do those things. And I'm like, that wasn't fun. <laughs> like, looking back <laughs> on it, like, in comparison to the joy that I have in life now, those things weren't fun. Like, you know, it seemed like it at the time. And I was, and I was in this deception of thinking that's what's actually fun. That's what life's about. And, you know, in, in this case, you know, say, you know, I was in college, you know, drinking alcohol. And, and getting drunk and, and partying and whatever seemed like that's what you do. That's what's fun or whatever. Um, hopefully my parents aren't listening to, to this one. But, <laughs> but, you know, and thinking, what would I do if we weren't doing that? Like, we're just going to sit around and, like, watch a movie or whatever. And it's like, now I'm like, dude, let's sit around and watch a movie. Like, or, 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 let's, or let's do this or let's do this. There's so much more to life than those things. But at the time, I was wrapped up in, no, that's what's fun, you know. And, and so you, you have to be willing to face the realities, the true arguments, the true thinking to do it. And, and I feel like we're losing, like uh, people are, and maybe people have never had it, but we're losing the desire to investigate. We're losing, it's, it's just so much easier to pick a side based on kind of this way the stream is flowing. You know, so if you're, if you're 20 you know, years old, 18 to, or frankly, zero to 30, there's sort of a stream. There's sort of a way the current is flowing when it comes to morality, when it comes to politics, when it comes to uh, the way you view church, when it comes to the way you view uh, entertainment, when it comes to all these things, right? Um, how, how willing or, or how normalized things like pornography are. Uh, you know, all this, like if you're in that age group, there's a philosophy that's, that's like the way the current is, is running. And it's easier to just kind of get in the current and be like, I'm like everybody else, right? This is what everybody else is saying. This is what everybody else is thinking. This is what is on every movie. This is what's on every TV show. How could they all be wrong, maybe is what you're thinking. Or at least at least I'm in, you know, kind of the old, if I go to hell, at least all my friends will be there with me. You know, that type of thing, which is like, I don't think that's the, you know, I don't think that means what you think it means. I don't <laughs> think that, that you're going to experience uh, joy in the fact that all your friends happen to be in hell with you. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, but it's, but it's so easy, right? It's the easy path. It's like, what I'm doing is what everybody else is doing. Meanwhile, I feel like garbage, really. When I, when I go to sleep at night, I have, you know, all kinds of, I've got to listen to ASMR because I can't get to sleep <laughs> with, without having something to distract me or I'm drinking to distract me or I'm smoking weed to distract me or I'm having sex to distract me or I'm, you know, or I'm on Facebook to distract me or I'm whatever because I don't want to really face the fact that my lifestyle and the choices that I'm making and my rejection of God are, are, truly affecting me negatively or truly harming me. Um, and so let me, I'm going to start with Kristen and say, what would you say to the person kind of in that age group? Cause that's the age group you're in, who is in that place. Like, what would you say to them? Not, not, not arguing for the existence of God, not whatever, but arguing instead for a hearing to, to like arguing that you ought to interact with this material. Come to your own conclusion on it. Let the Lord work on that. But, but that you should, you know, shake yourself loose from the laziness of not thinking well. What would you say to somebody? I would probably, just for me, focus on, like, the term that you used, joy, um, and ask them, like, the kinds of things that um, give them joy. Not, like, happiness and, like, having fun, but, like, those um, spirit-filling body filling joy and kind of um, get them to comprehend that because I know a lot of people my age are just talking about how like and you can see it everywhere on memes on the internet like oh I just want to die like life is pointless and meaningless like all I do is work up or get up and work and then you know drink whatever and there's no meaning behind that I would just ask them what gives them meaning and what gives them joy and those things that make them happy and um I don't know, I guess just kind of point that those are things that, you know, like come from God and that come from having relationships. Um, and I think that even having relationships, people my age is hard now because we're just always on the internet and we're very like selfish and inward seeking. Um, but for me, I would just really talk about like my experience with joy and what joy is to me and um, finding a purpose and meaning outside of just getting up every day and going to work and, you know, playing out the motions, how, the, how, there's, how there's more to life than that, and there's an explanation for that. But it is going to take time and commitment. But if you, if you really want to see 
the joys of life and what gives life meaning. It's not going through the motions. It's not doing whatever everyone else is doing. It's not staying up and going to clubs or partying. Um, but it requires, it requires seeking and working through things. Um, and if they're really wanting to change their life and they really want to hear it, you know, then I've got some good news for them, you know, (laughs) but if not that, like, I can't change that, you know, that's not on me. Right. Um, so I don't know. I would just talk about joy because I was in that, you know, I was in that boat when I was in college, you know, like life is meaningless. Like, you know, culture is telling me like to go out and party and do all of these things. And it's not fun. Like if anything, I feel worse. And I knew because thankfully I had grown up in church that there was, there was more to life and that like life had more meaning than just that. But I think not a lot of people have that privilege and are not blessed like I was. Um, so yeah. And just like I said earlier, just love and really, um, acting out love and what Christ would do and acting out the gospel. And, um, because I think also a lot of people who have objections to Christianity, um, they're very rule based like, Oh, I don't like Christianity because blah, 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 insert social justice issue here about Mm -hmm. rules. Um, and I, I think a lot of people that do have objections to Christianity and to Christ don't understand what the gospel is and what forgiveness is and what grace is. Um, so expanding on that and showing them just love as cliche as that sounds. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, <laughs> one of the things that, that gives me some hope and I wonder if you would agree is people in that age category seem to, and I think this is common for people in that age category in any generation, but they seem to be looking for something real and they seem to be looking for like to, to be making an actual impact in the world. For sure. Play. They want they want to change. They want to do something. They want to, mm-hmm. you know, see meaning and realness and authenticity, but that doesn't come in doing what everybody else does too. You know, right. like that doesn't. Right. And I just, and I feel like, yeah, it does. And I, I feel like if that's really, it's one thing to say, I want to do something but I'm not actually gay. It's right. one thing to watch a Netflix documentary and decide that you're that you're not going to, I don't know, use plastic water bottles or eat meat anymore or whatever. Like those might be good things, you know, the, those might be great and, and they may have they may have an impact and they and there may be actually really good reasons for some of those things and some of those reasons, you know, but if there are moral reasons for them, those moral reasons come from somewhere, right? Yeah. There's something bigger than that behind why you would do those things, but but real real change, like really making a difference in the world, there's only one way. And, and, and I'll say unequivocally, there's only one way to truly make a difference in the world because, because we are eternal beings. And mm-hmm. so what you're doing has, a, has an impact, not just on saving the earth, which is important, mm-hmm. that we ought to steward the earth well. That's mm-hmm. a Christian concept. It is. Uh, but you, I use that a lot. But I you should, <laughs> yeah, without it being a Christian concept, why would I care? If I was an atheist, why do I care about saving the world? Right. Why do I care? It's just a star that's going to burn out. And right. Blah, who blah, cares? Blah. Right. Who cares? It's all just a bunch of meat sacks walking. Or what do I care? Why should right. I just have all the fun I want to have? Um, but so, the, so it is a Christian concept. But you are not going to make an impact on this world and on eternity outside of being a Christ follower. You're just not going to make the kind of impact that you can. You can do some good things, right? But you don't even have a good reason for saying that they're good mm-hmm. if you're not, if you don't understand God and and the morality that exists that's outside of you, right? You can't even understand that. And yet we we move, you know, continuously more and more in this sort of postmodern mindset, this sort of relativistic mindset, where now you can define you you are you are able to self-define. If you walk into a college class today, right? And you sit down and it's day one and they're going to start taking role. They're going to ask, you know, they're going to try to say your name and uh, hope I don't butcher your name. You know, co- classic stuff that the college professors say and, and high school teachers. But then they're going to ask you what? What pronoun do you prefer? Mm-hmm. Right? What pronoun do you prefer? Not what's the objective reality about who you are. What pronoun do you it's prefer? Preference. How do yeah. you self-identify? Right? Which itself is just the whole idea of that is and, and I don't want to get into we can we can do a whole thing on that aspect of things at some point I don't want to get too deep into that but what it says is that you are self-defining your reality 
Mm-hmm. You are self-identifying as X, Y, or Z and telling the rest of us whether those things are true or not in reality about you, that we have to also identify you the way that you self-identify. That is like the, that is like the apex, the apex, the ultimate relativism. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's now become so ingrained in a certain aspect of society, which I would say is basically public schooling. You're not going to hear that at, in, a, in a private school setting, most likely. You're not going to hear that in, uh, in you know, at, at a, most places, but you will hear it in, at a college, at a, at a publicly funded college or a public school. That's where you're going to hear those kinds of things. So it's not maybe culture wide, but there is a whole section of culture where self-identification, you tell me what you, how you identify yourself and then we'll all identify you that way, whether it's true about you or not. That's this like level of relativism. And I think there's going to be, and there already is a reaction against like that can't, if that's true and I'm God, I identify mm-hmm. how I want to identify. I make all the rules. We are so screwed. We're super screwed. <laughs> like uh, I'm not, I'm not a good God. Right. I can't I can't be that. And what happens is then the despair comes in. And my my thing is, look, there's a hope out there. There's a hope out there. Um, Hunter, I'm going to let you answer on this, too, before I go much further on this. But what is your what would you say also to, to those people? Um, what would you add to what Kristen had to say? Yeah, uh, it's kind of similar uh, thing. You only um, have one life to live. Uh, you only have I mean, you have hopefully many years to live that life, but isn't it worth taking the time to understand um, what the true way to live? Like if there were, if, if you were living life, not according to the truth of life, and that might be whether there's truth to life or not. Um, but if, if, if you were living your life against what the truth was about the world, wouldn't you want to know what that truth was so that you could spend your time worthwhile, uh, how it should be. Like, wouldn't you want the best for the time that you have on earth? Um, and so that's, that's my, my plug just to take time to investigate, uh, take time to, um, reconsider, um, things that are, might be really uncomfortable to reconsider, you know, mm-hmm. it can be really uncomfortable to, um, consider whether, the way you're living life is um, in accordance with the truth, um, whether it is uh, whether it's a waste of time according to the truth. Um, there's so much that you can waste though by by ignoring um, what the world has to offer. Um, truly, um, you've been told that there's one thing that the world has to offer and it's um, immediate happiness and it's um, whatever you can get for yourself right now. But there's actually, uh, what if there's actually truth out there that was deeper than, than the shallow happiness that you've um, felt you've enjoyed and you've gotten over. Um, wouldn't you want to know about that? And wouldn't you want to spend your time on those types of things instead? That's my yeah. plug to think deeper about it. Mm-hmm. And I and and we're we're running down on the amount of time we're going to spend on this today. So let me let me just say a couple of things. One of the things that's so important to us as as believers, as Christ followers, and at Acts Church specifically, one of the things that we that we really focus on is you need to know the reason you were born. You need to know who you are. You need to know why you have value which we think everybody who is listening to this and everyone in the world has incredible, un, un, you know, you, you could not put a, a price. They're priceless. Every one of you is priceless. You have incredible value. You may not feel like it right now, but part of the reason you may not feel like it right now is because you don't understand the reality that exists. And, and it's important for you to every day see more and more reasons why you were born, why God made you, who he made you. And you cannot understand those things if your worldview is out of whack. You cannot understand those things if you do not ground your reality, anchor your reality in the truth. And we want life more abundantly. We think, you know, John Piper talks about Christian hedonism, the idea of like being a believer and a Christ follower. It's about joy. It's about, it's about incredible happiness. And it's not connected to, you know, what the world would tell you, how many people you can sleep with and how many, how many uh, cars you have and how, how big your house is and how many, you know, whether your kids are super successful at whatever it is you want them to be and all of those kinds of things. Those are 
are not the things that are going to bring you joy and fulfillment and value. And so what I want to say is, you know, ultimately, we want you to, the reason we do the skeptics thing, the reason we teach the, the Bible, we, we, we walk into, into explanations of scripture and what it means and, and all those kinds of, so that you'll understand the deep things of life and, and true life and, and like really living life because Jesus Christ is the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And we want you to understand that so you know who you are, so you can, so you can truly have joy in that regardless of how things are going, regardless of the fact that we live in a fallen world and bad things happen, regardless of all that, to understand that you have a that you have a value that there's a truth and that you have a future an eternal future in Jesus Christ and that you can live now in that reality and so we we just want you uh, listener to understand that to be encouraged by that uh, that that you can be so much more uh, for for yourself, for your friends, for your spouse, for your girlfriend, boyfriend, for your family. You can be so much more than you are if you understand who you are in Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you to do that, to, to, to not to just pass things aside and say, well, you know, these, these popular people say this, or this is the popular way things are going, or, or I'm fine because there's a bunch of people who believe the same way that I do. Um, the truth is, do you even know why you believe what you believe? And are you willing to engage? Are you willing to give this a true, full investigation? And at the end of that, come out and decide, you know, is Jesus Christ the Son of God? Did he rise from the dead? Because if he did, if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that changes everything. That changes everything about who you are, about who God is in your mind, all of those things. And, and we want you to know that. And so um, we're going we're gonna to sign off here. Any last thoughts, Hunter? Nope. Kristen, you have any last thoughts you want to? I don't think so. All right. I just wanted to make sure I gave you a shot there. Um, <laughs> let's pray, and, and then uh, we'll see you next time. Father, I just ask that you would make yourself known. We know you are not hidden, Lord. Uh, we see you, and, and, we, and we sense your presence, and we, and we know who you are, and we see like the wind blows the trees and, and, and can, move, uh, can move things, Lord. You also, we see your work and the work of your hands and what you've made. And of course, much more than that, you've also sent your son to this world, and we have hundreds and hundreds of witnesses of, of what he did and the miracles that he did, and of course, hundreds of witnesses of his resurrection, his death and his resurrection, and, and, and what that means for us and that we can be right with you and that we are sinners and that we do make mistakes, Lord, and that we can give all of that to you and that you promise us forgiveness and life, abundant life, life more abundantly in you. And you promised us your Holy Spirit, Lord, and we thank you that we have your Holy Spirit. Uh, who are those of us who are Christ followers. And we thank you that you've made our spirit alive and that you've given us the kind of joy that we can only have in you. And that when we walk through those difficult times that we don't have to say, why is this happening? You know, what am I going to do? And the world is meaningless. Rather, we can say, we love you. We trust you. We walk with you regardless of what comes, regardless of life or death, regardless of, of plenty or want, regardless of, of struggles or good times that we have you. And God, thank you so much that we do. And I pray that everyone listening today, that if, there's, if there are skeptics out there listening to this, if there are believers out there listening to this, that they would be drawn closer to you uh, through their brothers and sisters here today doing this podcast who love you and who want all of us to draw closer to you. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. <laughs>